we're going through Malachi and uh, two little mini-series have sprung out. One is being marriage and the other is the raising of children. Malachi 2 verse 15, but did he, God the Father, not make them, the man and the woman, one? He has a marriage, two becoming uh, one, physically, emotionally, in so many ways, uh, spiritual unity, and after many years, uh, a husband and wife thinking the same thoughts, speaking something at the same time. I was just going to, uh, to say that I was thinking uh, the same thing. It's wonderful uh, the way the Lord uh, leads and guides. Did he not make them one? And then vitally, having a remnant of his spirit. Uh, how did two become one? There are many marriages, but here's a Christian marriage. The two really do become one. Uh, in every sense. Well, it takes a work of God the Holy Spirit. And for a marriage to carry on and not just survive, but to thrive. It's good that a marriage survives. It's very wonderful when it thrives. Is your marriage thriving, men? Is your marriage thriving, uh, women? How do, how do we thrive? It's that remnant of the Spirit. It's God the Holy Spirit. It's as a husband, as a wife, individually and together, gazing at Jesus Christ. Uh, he's the supreme example, Christ and the church of a marriage. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Wives, submit to your husbands in everything as the church submits to Christ. So wives should submit to their, their husbands. There's a, a wonderful illustration for us in the Lord Jesus Christ and his deep, deep love for you and for me. How do we thrive? By continuing to look to the Lord Jesus Christ. And why does God uh, desire marriages to thrive? Well, many reasons, but another reason is given here. Uh, and why one? He, that's God, seeks godly offspring. He seeks godly offspring. He loves little children. Children here tonight, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ loves you very, very much. God the Father loves you very, very much. God the Holy Spirit loves you very, very much. And He has a name that you should be uh, godly. And so we're thinking as to how that can be achieved. And this is the third part of a little series of three uh, on raising children. And the first thing that we looked at briefly was that to raise godly children... We need a stable family. There needs to be godliness in the husband and in the wife. And the husband and the wife ought to love each other. It ought to be obvious to the children. They feel safe. There's a stability here. Mum and dad love each other. And we also said that mum and dad should together have a good opinion of the church that they go to. They ought to love the local church. Warts and all. Warts and all. You will never find, obviously, you'll never find this side of glory, a perfect church. It's no excuse for being sloppy or sinful as a church. No excuse for misbehavior. No excuse for going astray. But there'll not be a perfect church here. We're viewed as perfect, but we're not. We're battling on. And mum and dad should love each other. Mum and dad should have a love for, their, for the church and to love the brethren but most of all, they should have a love for the Lord Jesus Christ. And if it's there, it shows. 
And it permeates the family. And the children, whatever situation they're going through, will feel secure. They're having a tough time uh, in school. They'll be able to come home and there's a safe haven there. And a mother's arms and a dad's understanding ear. So we, we looked at that area. And then we moved to Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. And well, we've been looking at this area. Here's the verse. And you fathers, or you parents, do not provoke your children to wrath. Do not exasperate your children, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. Now, last time I spoke on a Sunday evening, we looked at the negative part, the first part of that verse. Uh, parents, do not provoke your children to wrath. Do not exasperate your children. And we thought of ways in which we might exasperate our children. But tonight, we want to come to the very positive conclusion to Ephesians 4 and verse 6. And uh, what do we do? What is our part with our children in pointing them towards the Savior? But bring them up. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So that's our text for tonight, Ephesians 6, the latter part of verse 4, but bring them up, our children, bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So here's the positive now. Uh, bring them up. Uh, a Greek word, ekthrepho. Uh, bring them up. Here's a child, bring them up. Up. There's this uh, great sense in this uh, word of uh, rearing up to maturity. Here's a task that you have. That little baby uh, develops in the womb, then uh, out it comes into the world, and by the grace of God makes that first cry. And I've been there at the birth of uh, three of my four children. I missed the fourth one by about half an hour, but... Um, that was back in the 1990s when there were no mobile phones to send a quick text and get back quickly. But anyway, uh, to see them turn from blue to pink as they cry, the oxygen goes through, it, it is wonderful. But there they are, very, very vulnerable, very, very needy. And uh, there's the task. Bring them up. Ekthropho, uh, rear them to maturity. Now this gives us a sense of what we're doing. This is a slow process. Right? We can see some who are on the way. Um, we've got, well, we had this morning some uh, little babies. I can see some up in the corner there, maybe three or four uh, years old. Um, there's others scattered around in there, well, maybe uh, eight or nine as, uh, what are we here, 10, 11, 11, 11, yeah, 11. So they're in the, in the process, not yet completely reared to full maturity, not, not there yet, but here's the, the task. I tell you, it's a slow work. It needs great patience and dedication. Uh, rear up to maturity. Cherish is another uh, way of interpreting this word, cherish, Train, uh, nourish. It, it really is a very much hands-on task that mums and dads uh, have got. Uh, and let me say again, I've said this a few times, let me repeat it and emphasize it and underline it. 
if you are a parent, doesn't matter what you are in the life of the church or what your vocation may be, here is your number one task while they're in your house and uh, under your direction. It is raising these children. That is your God-given primary ministry. Husbands, love your wives. Fathers, don't exasperate your children, but uh, train them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Your chief ministry. Do you, do you, have you got it? Have we got it? These little babies who become toddlers, who become little children, who become bigger children who become teenagers, they are something very, very special. They are physical, yes, but they are spiritual. They are immortal souls, very, very precious. Who do they belong to? In a sense, you could say, well, I, I, they are my children. They are my Children, in, in a sense they are, but I tell you this, in a very real sense they are not. They do belong to God. Uh, he's the one who has gifted them to you, entrusted them is a better word, to your care. And uh, they belong to him. And they'll have to give an account to him, not to you, but, but to, to him. And they're in your care for a time. And it's your task to bring them up in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. Of course, you're going to be supported by the church family. And we all have a responsibility, members here, for the children who belong to this congregation. We all have a responsibility uh, not to be those who offend these little ones or deflect these little ones. We ought to make them feel Church is a wonderful place. And how people love each other there. The world is difficult, and I have friends at school who maybe uh, bully me, but uh, I come to church, and the members there are really very sweet and very, very uh, lovely. And to be living examples of the gospel here. <clears throat> I hope that no children <clears throat> will be able to stand up on the day of judgment and say, well, I was really put off. It will be no excuse for them anyway by the behavior of such and such a person at Heath Evangelical Church or the period that that church went through. I, I trust that would never be uh, the case. We are to be supportive of parents and doing all that we can that may, they may fulfill this God-given task to bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord, supported by the local church. But let me emphasize this again to parents. This is primarily your responsibility. All right? If you have children, raising them in the fear and admonition of the Lord is primarily your responsibility. I've heard over the years, sadly, parents who said such things as, oh, the church has failed my children. Have you ever heard that being said? Or, we are leaving this church because um, there's nothing for our children here. Therefore, we're going to go over here where there's a wonderful youth program and a kids program and uh, we're going to plug them uh, into that. Oh, the church 
has failed our children. No. No, no. It is your task, primarily, to raise those children. I, am, I just think about Adam and Eve with their children. Was there a youth program to send them to? Were there Sunday schools? Were there kids clubs? Was there a good, vibrant local church? Well, of course not. Adam and Eve had to teach them and to point them and to explain what had gone wrong and to explain what God had said. Now, the word of God wasn't very broad at that time. Really quite brief, what God had said. But it was their duty to pass it on to the next generation, to their children. So parents, again, it's your primary responsibility. Yes, the church has got a part. We are there supporting. And Jesus Christ loves to receive little children. That wonderful picture, we looked at it previously in Mark chapter 10. The mothers, parents were bringing their children to Jesus. The disciples thought they were doing the right thing. Oh, no, no, this is, the, the evening service is no place for children. No, don't bring them to the, the prayer meeting. Oh, why, goodness me, certainly we don't want children in, in a prayer meeting. Oh, Jesus is indignant. Let the little ones come to me. Do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of heaven. Do not forbid them. So we don't abdicate our role as parents to the church, we look to take our responsibility seriously. Now, the aim of parenting. If you have children, what are you working towards? What are we working towards? It's good to know the aim. We're hardly going to hit the target if we don't even know the aim. Now, I enjoy uh, watching uh, the World Darts series when it's on the television and uh, all these guys coming up and they're they, they know what they're trying to do. Sorry to use you as a target, but uh, they're aiming for the, the treble 20. They know what they're trying. And then on the checkout, do, how do they hit that double 16? If you just miss that, then the double eight. It's quite amazing how they, well, a lot of practice and trick. They know the aim. They know the aim. If it's a rugby match, we know what the aim is. There's a defensive aim. Stop them getting over the try line. But we want our team to get over the, the try line. I'm going to tell the Welsh team that one of these uh, days. That's, that's the aim. That's the aim. Football. There was a wonderful match last night in Wales playing Croatia. And that last minute, what's the aim? Get the ball in the net. Get the ball in the net. It's good to know the aim. Uh, and with raising children, what is the aim? Well, again, back in Malachi chapter 2 and verse 15, God desires godly offspring. God's desire is that they should come to know Him. So that is your goal too. That's our aim. My aim as a parent, your aim uh, as parents, that they might come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what's, what's your goal? Again, think again. There are many aims you might have for your children, but what's the primary aim the primary aim is not a good education. There's nothing wrong with a good education and try to get your children uh, the best in education is right and there's that uh, anxious time 
for parents as children leave the primary school and uh, are going to a secondary school and where's the best place for them? Uh, this child's a little fragile and to put them into this big comprehensive... I was talking to some parents recently in St. Melons and I won't name the schools. I said, well, what about this one? No way is my child going to that school. It has a certain uh, reputation. Again, I'm, I'm not going to, to name them. What about this school? Well, they've gone crazy when it comes to uh, modern, modern thinking. It's not that one. And uh, yet desiring a good place where they can be nurtured in their education. But that's not the primary thing. Not the primary issue. What if they're very talented at, at music? Is that the primary aim that you might have? They might be a, a, a wonderful musician. I've got grandchildren who happen to be musically very talented and they're often in uh, Eisteddfods and, and playing and that's, that's lovely. Uh, but it's not the primary aim. What about sports? Maybe you've got children who excel at sports and you want to give them every opportunity. Sadly, again, it's a little example from the family. Uh, in Mid Wales there, I've got two grandsons who I think are rather exceptional. And Wales will be glad of in the not too uh, distant future. And they play for Kyasus, uh, under-13s and under-14s, uh, football team, and they've been asked to apply for the new town, and they're in the Welsh Premier League, academy. But you know, the academy meets and play and train and have matches on a Sunday. So the boys have said, we don't want to do that. Isn't that lovely? And uh, they haven't missed out. They're as good as, if not better, in my opinion, as anybody in the academy. And when we're up in Mid Wales, how Jill and I love to be on uh, the touchline, uh, cheering them on in a, in a wholesome way. So all these are lovely aims, but our chief aim is that they might be saved. They might be saved. Bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Now, how, how do we go about achieving that? Being very positive here then. There are two words being used. Again, in the New King James Version, bring them up in the, actually the words are the training and admonition of the Lord, New King James. If you have an English Standard Version, you'll have these two words, the discipline and instruction of the Lord. If you had a New International Version, it would be the training and instruction of the Lord. The old uh, authorised version, the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The American Standard Version, the chastening and admonition of the Lord. Two Greek words. The first one, training, discipline, training, nurture, chastising, paideia, means to educate or to train, or disciplinary correction of these little ones. The next list of names, which you've got as admonition twice, instruction twice, in fact, admonition three times. Neuthesia, uh, a Greek word that means to call one's attention to, or a mild rebuke, or a warning, or colloquially, a shot across the bows. So we've got two Greek words here, 
with a, a tendency towards some kind of uh, discipline and correction coming on the children. That tells us something very interesting. If our aim is clear that they might come to salvation, these words are showing us our starting point. And the starting point, they might look very sweet, and, and they are very sweet and lovely there, in the crib, few days old, feeding, winding, how beautiful, how lovely. But they're sinners. They're born in sin. They have a disease. And unless that disease is dealt with, it's judgment and an eternity away from the good presence of God. Why is parenting so difficult? Well, because we, as sinners saved by grace, are looking to point little sinners towards the Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. They are born with this default of sin. And we don't need to labour that. It's so obvious. Uh, with all of my children, I mean, I don't know why. It is, is no easier to say linguistically than yes. It probably is. Uh, I'm looking at Dr. Tench. It might well be an easier word to, to say, but different languages have got their forms. But, um, I mean, a nod of the head, I think, is easier than a shake of the head. But why is it? I don't think there'd be any... Now, you can tell me afterwards. Maybe there's an exception here with one of your children who was such a, a model of uh, the contrary to what I'm saying. <laughs> but the first word that a child will learn or be able to express is, try and put the food in. I'm not interested. Why is it? so difficult. I mean, we adults, we've learnt common manners, and so we will. I mean, we were sat around the dinner table today, and uh, we had some meat on the plates, and in the middle are all the vegetables. Now, we've, we've learned because we're adults. After you. After you. I mean, you don't just all dive in and get it all on our own plates. No, we, we share. Have you had the character? Oh, thank you very much. And so they move around the table. Have you seen children trying to share? Maybe three or four of them play with this one toy. Well, whose toy is it? Now, who has to teach them that? Our task is to correct that. What a battle. What a battle. It doesn't come easy, and it needs lots and lots and lots of patience. Almost we would say this is mission impossible. Certainly would be left to ourselves. But there is grace. There is grace. Bring them up in the nurture and training of, of the Lord. His they are, and we need to train and encourage them to be like Him. Sharing and explaining with their children that they, like you, need the grace of God. So that discipline before they even have the language. Training from an early age doing the right things. And when we can explain to them why we're doing certain things, children, you need what me and your dad have received, me and your mum have received, something wonderful through the Lord Jesus Christ. We want always to point you towards him. He's altogether wonderful. Now let's note this, that we as parents can only do what we can do. We can encourage and we can point, and we can train our children. 
What we cannot do is what we cannot do. We cannot save. Don't look to force a profession. Don't assume that they are believers. We cannot sanctify our children. We cannot save our children. We are not ultimately responsible for their spiritual blessings. They come from God above. But we need to do our part. And God has said to us clearly, point them towards me. Train them uh, in these ways. It's going to provoke many questions. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do my best uh, afterwards. Parents can worry, did, did I get it wrong? Generally speaking, it's most unlikely that you've got it wrong. With a good heart and seeking the Lord, you won't go far astray. We are not responsible ultimately for how our children turn out. Good King Hezekiah had a son, Manasseh. If there was a byword for evil, it was Manasseh who offered his own children to the false god Molech in the fire. But you know, even with Manasseh, it would seem there was late repentance. It seems he came to faith and turned away from his sin. David, a man after God's own heart. Now how he fell and failed, of course, with, uh, with Bathsheba and Uriah. But he had an Absalom who rebelled so badly against him. Manasseh, the evil king who came to late repentance, had a son, Ammon. Now, Ammon wasn't a believer. A very evil, ungodly king who succeeded his father. With Ammon, there was no repentance. And yet, he had a son called Josiah, who became one of the most godly kings in Israel's history. Now, we, we do what we can. But please don't let the devil get at you. Oh, I, we, we, we've made a mess of this. With a good heart and seeking the Lord and looking to Him, we do what we can. But we cannot do what we can't. And if your children are still alive, I've got one child yet who hasn't yet come to faith. It is not the end of the story. It is not the end of the story. And we know of stories of uh, children who've come to faith after their parents have gone to glory. We know it's possible. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. It's all of grace. But uh, parents, we need to do our part. What is needed? Well, well, grace. Let me just <clears throat> read a little passage in Mark's Gospel. I won't keep you too much longer. Mark chapter 9. Here's a man with a son in great need. Mark chapter 9 <coughs> and verse 14. And when he, Jesus, came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit and whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples 
that they should cast it out, but they could not. The church is limited, so limited in what it can do. It can point. It can't save. He is a father. He's so distressed about the condition of his son. Oh, I, I brought my child to, uh, to your disciples. They couldn't do anything. He answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long will I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? He said, from childhood. So the years have, have gone on. It has often thrown him both into the fire and the water to destroy him. How far have your children gone astray? There's a real picture here. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And when Jesus saw the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead. So many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Oh, how we need the grace of God. We bring our children to the Lord Jesus. So bring them, bring them, kids clubs, Sunday schools, morning service, evening service. They're old enough to, to, to the prayer meeting. May they be under the, the means of grace where Jesus says he's walking in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. He's, he's, he's there uh, by his Spirit and through the Word. Bring them to me, says the Lord Jesus. And then we pray for our children and we continue to pray. And everyday parents, how, how do you point them to the Lord Jesus Christ? You, you need to pray for grace for yourself and grace for your children every day. Top of your prayer lists, your family. Husbands, it's for your wife. You pray for your wife. Wives, you pray for your husband. And then you both are praying for your, your children, primarily that they would be saved. And there comes a time when maybe you will need to fast for your children as well. Do we understand fasting uh, anymore? Perhaps one of the missing disciplines of the church. But the positive, pray, pray, pray. Train and encourage them to be like Jesus. The Bible becomes so central. Uh, in, in the home, uh, is the Bible there? Is it opened often? I was reading a book that um, Keith lent it to me a few weeks ago. Um, a retired missionary, he's in glory now, uh, called Graham Miller. And um, way down the south of the, the planet, he was ministering. But there's a chapter in his autobiography about retirement. And he and his wife, what a lovely, lovely picture 
of a retired couple. He said this, as I go around now visiting families, things have changed since when we were first in the ministry. There seems to be very little family worship uh, anymore, where dad opens the Bible and the children gather round and the word is read. The children learn that the parents take this book seriously and it's read to them. It might be a version that's uh, simplified somewhat, and then maybe the, the family will sing uh, together. We had a family staying with us uh, for a little while, a few days uh, recently. And it was lovely. They used YouTube and had some lovely children's songs. And the family sat down and they sang worshipfully together. But the Bible is loved and has a central place in the home. And if you're wondering about uh, books to help you with family worship... Uh, books to give to children. There's some wonderful books in the bookshop. I mean, I go there and I browse. What a, what a wealth of helpful material there is there for you parents or prospective parents or grandparents to buy to give to your children. They'd use with your grandchildren. And if you've got any difficulties, there's a wonderful manager in the bookshop. He sat at the back there. You just say, oh, the minister was saying about books for family. Oh, let me show you. There's quite a range, isn't there, Rob? There really is. And I'm often there buying uh, books as birthday presents for, for little kiddies. Such wonderful things are being produced. Oh, train them positively. Talking about the things of God together. Deuteronomy chapter 6 living out the gospel that the children can see what is being said actually modeled before them and that no no negative talk about the church i mean parents might have to talk about things together not not in front of the children may be very positive uh, for for them but our example this is what jesus is like i was chatting to a student a couple of weeks ago, and knowing that this theme uh, was coming up, she said, uh, and they, they live in mid-Wales, mid and uh, a few of them are here uh, this evening, sat on the, the gallery. But uh, this, this um, young student said to me, oh, mum and dad, mum and dad, what an example they've been to us six children. She said, I recall we were out, it's during lockdown in the, in the back garden, and it was in the summer, and uh, mum brought out the meal that had been cooked. And dad sat around the table with all the children and said, hands up, who, all those who believe dad hit the jackpot when he married, married your mum. And dad's hand was up first. How wonderful. How wonderful. Dad hit the jackpot. And mum and dad modelling the saviour together. Oh, Timothy, I read that passage there. You've known the gospel from a child. Now, look, mum and dad weren't both believers, only mum. We're told that dad was a Greek. The inference was, well, he wasn't a believer, but mum was, and so was grandma. And uh, they brought Timothy up to know the scriptures from a child. Let me rapidly con conclude. There is a negative, uh, this area of correction and uh, discipline. I'll certainly take questions, but discipline should be firm and fair. It ought to be immediate at the point of the offence. None of this wait till your father gets home. No, deal with it. Deal with it. Now, it needs to be lawful. Let's remember where we are. We're in Wales, and we obey the law of the land. 
And there are ways we can still discipline our children. It's more difficult now. Maybe you have to be more creative. It used to be dealt with very quickly. It was over and done with. But now it's more protracted. It's more difficult. But we have to be creative. We can think about that together. It needs to be proportionate. Therefore, never in anger. Pray for grace. Pray for grace. And also, I'd say finally, discipline needs to be appropriate to the child. Now, with our children, number one, Ben, now an elder, Newtown Evangelical Church in Mid Wales. He took some handling. Goodness me, hard-nosed kid he was. William, the younger, extremely sensitive. You only had to look disapprovingly and he would melt. So it's knowing the right discipline for each of your children. But look, I'll, I'll leave it there for this evening. It's a great, great task, parents, that you have. It's one that you will know the grace of God to comply with and to fulfill. Seek Him with all your heart. Look to speak grace and look to portray grace to your children. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this all too brief time again in your word. We thank you for the children of this congregation and pray, oh Heavenly Father, you'd help the parents and please bring these little ones to yourself early in their lives, we pray. To God be the glory. Amen. Well, let's conclude with a final hymn. All right, yes, 860 three in the hymn books it's a familiar hymn to us i love to hear the story which angel voices tell how once the king of glory came down on earth to dwell 863 
And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore. Amen.